Hello and welcome to K Sarah Sarah, the FA Cup podcast which takes you closer to some of the most fascinating stories around the oldest cup competition in football. It might have started over 150 years ago, but the FA Cup is still something that so many people care about, and that is precisely what this podcast will aim to show. I'm your host, George Wilson, and I'll look to bring you interviews and discussion in every single episode. Every round we've covered this season has produced some brilliant drama and moments that so many supporters will savour for a very long time. I've said in that intro in every episode, it's about showing that people care about this competition. Well, I think this weekend we'll definitely see that a lot of people care about this competition. It's all coming down to one game taking place this Saturday as Manchester City take on Manchester United in the final of the FA Cup, the Emirates FA Cup, as it's known in terms of sponsorship. Anyway, the trophy is on the line at Wembley this weekend, but also on the line are Manchester bragging rights, as well as the small matter of a potential treble win for Pep Guardiola's City. It can't be sealed this weekend, but they can take a big step towards it should they win. But United will be desperately looking to prevent that for reasons that we'll come on to. The best way to preview this pretty huge cup final is by hearing from the fans, as we have done throughout the season for so many games. So I caught up with a couple of people this week who will hopefully set the scene nicely for you ahead of Saturday. Focusing on Manchester City, first of all, here's my chat with journalist and City supporter Harry Burton. Harry, thank you for joining me to give the City view going in to the Manchester Derby FA Cup final this coming Saturday. Manchester City have been pretty relentless in this second half of the season. The Premier League title is secured. It was secured with three games to go, thanks to Arsenal's collapse. I'm not going to say Arsenal's bottle, because I know that's kind of up for debate, but Arsenal's collapse, let's say. We'll forget about the Brentford defeat as well. I think we can forget about that, given what was on the line, i.e. not a lot. So I take it you're feeling fairly confident going into this FA Cup final as you try to win the second trophy of the season? Yeah, well, firstly, just thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate, you know, asking me to come on. Yeah, I think I'm definitely quite confident going into the game. I think not only how we have been playing, but also Man United, they're obviously very up and down this season. They obviously did beat us this season. Whether that's controversial, that's up to anyone else to decide. For me, it was a little bit controversial. But I think we'll mainly be focusing on ourselves going into the FA Cup. Um, and I'm just really excited for Saturday. Yeah, it feels like one of the bigger finals in recent years, I would say. Would you agree with that, given the, obviously, as we've mentioned, the, the Manchester derby element to it? But, of course... The elephant in the room that I haven't mentioned is the the treble element because the Champions League final coming after that. Do do you feel that among kind of the the City fan base, as in that they know just how crucial this day could be, but also could turn out to be when looking at a week's after that, a week after? Yeah, I think sort of generally looking on Twitter, it's more all the rival fans talking about the treble more than the, the actual City fans. Mm-hmm. I think whether that's, you know, having faith in our team, just not to question it, or it's 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 a weird feeling because obviously with the FA Cup, I think it's, it's the first one in its history to have a, a Manchester derby in the final. Yeah, that's that, right. That itself is, is, is quite a, a weird fact to me as well the fact that we've not played them in the final and also the fact that we, we've only won a single FA Cup since Pep's come in. So that's probably more to do with the fact that there are other competitions going on at the time of the FA Cup sort of 
semi-finals, which where we normally get to and sort of lose out to, you know, your Arsenals or I think even maybe Man U in a semi-final at some point. So, yeah, with that in mind, Saturday could go either way. But again, I've, I've always got sort of confidence and faith in the team to well, win. And especially at Manchester Derby, you expect a lot of passion coming into the game, whoever it is that starts. I think that's quite an important thing to note is who will start because of the, the possible treble with the, the Champions League final coming up as well. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned there how it's the the first final between these two teams. And I, I saw something on Twitter towards the end of the weekend. I think it was Dom Smith who tweeted it. He's a journalist for the Evening Standard. He does a lot of good stuff surrounding England and other bits and pieces. But he tweeted a picture that I think I'm guessing the FA had released that um, the part of the FA Cup trophy where the names are engraved, they had already... They had already put Manchester on the trophy, which I thought was a cool little element. Which, like you say, you would you would never get in any other case. I suppose the, the other chance of doing that is if it was a Steel City derby in the final between Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday. But um, yeah, that that was kind of a, a nice niche little thing I saw. I, I might have to retweet that going into leading into the day itself. In terms of Man City's journey to the final. Of course, it started in round three, as it does for every Premier League and Championship club. Is there a game that stands out at all as the most significant, or has it been kind of plain sailing all the way through? Any answer to this is fine because you you look at the results and you see City have, you know, won by a fair margin in the majority of those games, and also haven't conceded a single goal. So, yeah, how do you see it in terms of the games that have already been in the competition? It's it's a strange one because I think fans will always say that we have an easy route when it comes to cup competitions. But if you look at the third round and the fourth round, you know, we've got Chelsea and Arsenal before the likes of Bristol, Sheffield and Burnley, Mm -hmm. which obviously themselves aren't easy games, but I think compared to where they were compared to where we are, you know, it, it was a relatively easy game for us. Out of the, the five, I'd say the Arsenal game was definitely the most significant. It was, I think, well, it was a great game. Obviously, it only finished 1-0 and that goal came from Nathan Ake, um, which I think sort of, I think that even explains the game, the fact that it was so close and it was decided by a defender rather than, you know, the likes of Jesus, Haaland, De Bruyne, you know, that lot. And I think that Arsenal game as well, when was it? Late January, wasn't it? So the two games in the league between City and Arsenal were still to be played. It was still so close in that fight for the title. And I can remember Arteta, maybe some were critical of it. Others were thought it was a wise move to kind of pull his key players off after an hour because Arsenal had kind of decided we're probably not winning this game. So let's try and prioritise the title. I don't know whether he would regret doing that now with, with how it's ended up. Would Arsenal have gone all the way? It's hard to know. But um, yeah, I, I, I'd probably agree with you from the outside looking in that when looking at those fixtures, the Arsenal one probably felt bigger because as much as you're right to highlight Chelsea as a difficult game, that they've also been hopeless all the way through, haven't they? If it, by, by Chelsea's standards, I'm not trying to be disrespectful in saying that, and I'm sure they will come again in the Premier League and in the FA Cup as they have done so many times in the past. But um, no, the Arsenal one, I'd agree with you on that. Moving on to kind of think about Saturday and looking ahead, you've already mentioned about the starting 11 and how it's going to line up. Probably the biggest point of discussion surrounding the City team regards who starts between the sticks. Edison being the first choice and has been for so many years, but equally the first choice in the FA Cup has been Victor Ortega. As we said, City haven't conceded a goal in the FA Cup this season. Ortega, we've also seen 
play in a few league games once the title was wrapped up. And I think, was it against, was it the Leeds game he started in the league as well before it was wrapped up? He, he definitely started in Might one, been, didn't yeah. he? And he's looked fairly handy, I would say, in, in, in terms of, okay, he's got a strong defence in front of him, but when called upon, he's looked pretty sharp. How do you see that one going? Do you think Pep will go with Ortega and stick with his cup keeper or go for Edison? I think I'd like to see Ortega start. When we signed him, I don't think any of us were really that surprised that, you know, he he is a good keeper. You know, before we signed him in the Bundesliga, he was, I think stats-wise, he was the third best keeper all season. And I think that, that says a lot. And I think you, you have a backup keeper. Why why not trust him? Like if you're not going to trust him, don't have him on the bench. So I think even though Edison is a, a fantastic keeper, you know, he needs a rest and we need him fit for the, the Champions League final. So yeah, I'd I'd like to see or take a start. I think with with selection for the FA Cup, you know, it the cup itself deserves respect. It's it's one of the the biggest cup competitions in world football, not just England. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that's an important thing to know. But yeah, I, I would love to see Ortega start. One thing I kind of thought about when I was thinking about this decision that Pep's got to make is last year's semi-final when it was City against Liverpool at Wembley. The debate was surrounding Edison and Zach Steffen at the time. Stefan having been the cup keeper. Stefan was the one that was selected and he made a bit of a blunder, didn't he? Let's be fair, it was Sadio Mane who capitalised on it. That game ended 3-2 to Liverpool, so it makes you think, could it have been different had it been Edison? How much do you think that might be playing through Pep's mind going into it? Or do you think it's different in that Ortega is more trustworthy and you know he'll be backed in that sense? compared to what it was like with Stefan? I think it's it's a completely different situation. So I don't think that sort of thing is going to be in the mind of Pep. You know, Zach, and he is young and, you know, he's gone out on loan to Middlesbrough this season and he's, he's showcased what he can do. He's been a lot better. But, uh, yeah, that moment against Liverpool wasn't pretty. But yeah, I think going into this one, there's no reason why Pep shouldn't trust Ortega. He's he's shown that he can be trusted, you know, throughout the cup and in a few Prem games as well. Obviously, well, I say obviously, a lot of fans, you know, don't they don't like Edison, which I've had my moments with Edison. He's you know, he's had a few moments himself. But in the last few months he's just been unplayable and undroppable so it's, it's going to be a, a, hard, a hard decision definitely for Pep going into this game. Something you've already mentioned regarding Pep is how he's only won the FA Cup once at Manchester City in his six previous seasons you know the dominance in the Prem speaks for itself but and I think there's been more than one League Cup victory in that time as well. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But um, how determined will he be to make sure he gets the second this weekend? Because for someone with a winning reputation that he has, he, he will want more than one, won't he, when he comes to leave City in however many years? Yeah, well, he's he's got the mentality that, you know, he wants to win everything. So it's not going to just be just the FA Cup. You know, it's, it is another competition that we can win and it's going to mean something to him if we can if we can win the second since he's arrived in 2016. Yeah, yeah 2016. I think even De Bruyne pointed out, uh, I think it was after the Brentford game in an interview or a couple of weeks before that, that he said that he wants to win another one because he's only won one since he arrived. And I think... I don't even think we've been runners-up in that time either. So it's just been the one FA Cup final for us. You are which right, is, yeah. Yeah, it's strange to think about that, you know, our dominance in England 
and we've only won one FA Cup. But then you look at the League Cup, like you said, I think we won four on the bounce. Mm-hmm. So we lost it to, I can't even remember who won it. But yeah, we won four or five on the bounce and everyone was sort of calling it the City Cup. <laughs> um, so I, d- I don't think, you know, the lack of FA Cups is anything to worry about because whoever Pep puts out on Saturday is, is going to be trusted and I think the, the fan base are expecting the squad to bring it home. This is, of course, an FA Cup podcast, so I've kind of focused in on the FA Cup in some of the questions I've asked, but it's impossible to ignore the treble prospect as well because that is ultimately what the story is going into this final. But as a Manchester City fan, when you look at these two games coming up for City in isolation, the FA Cup final and the Champions League final, which one worries you more? Would you say it's this FA Cup final when you know that your opponents are going to be so desperate both to win a trophy for themselves, but equally to stop that treble, given that they've done it in the past? Or would you say it's that Champions League final where if you were to win this game, you're going to go into that with all the talk being around that and that pressure naturally is going to be there? How how do you feel about that? Or, Or is it hard to measure given the nerves are going to be there no matter what? Well, yeah, as you've said, though, I think the nerves are going to be there for, for both games. And I think in my head, I have looked at the games individually rather than if we win this one, then we can win the treble. I think going into the, the derby, I think it was either last night or the night before, Man United had their awards night. Yeah, and Ra- Rashford spoke about how their main aim is for them to be the only team to have won the treble. I think that puts a little bit of confidence in my mind that they're already that worried about, you know, their noisy neighbours doing something that they completed years ago. So I think that's put me at ease a little bit that maybe they're even thinking about that part of it more than we are. You know, to us, it it's probably just another cup final. Whereas to them, it's, you know, can we get a trophy this season? Or have they won a trophy? Yeah, they won the League yeah. Cup, didn't they? The League Cup, yeah. So can we get another trophy? And can we stop our rivals? Well, I think, well, I hope that the players are going, we need to beat them because they're our rivals. But at the same time, it should just be another game. You know, it's a cup final, obviously. But the fact that, it's Man United and it could be a treble. Hopefully won't get in the way. Mm-hmm. I think with the, the Champions League, it's a, a whole different ballpark. And, you know, we've been there once before and City fans will really be hoping it doesn't turn out like the last time. Because against Chelsea, you know, we were expected to win. Pep's brilliance got in the way. <laughs> uh, let, let's call it that. Um and he didn't play a, a defensive midfielder. And I think that's the main reason we didn't win it against Chelsea. Yeah, it's interesting. In, in terms of the the selection debates going on in Pep's head, like you say, I, I can remember surrounding that Chelsea final when, as you said there, a, a lot of pundits were going with the idea that he was just a bit too clever with what he was trying to do. So... Yeah, I suppose the the options to him are endless, aren't they? But because of the the players that he's got available. One last question before I get a prediction from you, I'm going to ask this to the Manchester United fan who I come on to speak to as well. Is there a Manchester United player in particular who worries you the most? You, you've already mentioned Rashford there, or if there isn't a player specifically who you could single out is there maybe a an individual battle on the pitch which you think they could exploit us there have a think about it and um yeah let me know wow what a question i think rushford is definitely a player that is quite scary you're bruno fernandez as well i think even though it's it's not been sort of a a season where he's been in the limelight 
I think that sort of other players sort of shadowed what he's done this season. It's not been an overall bad season for him. And I think he's the type of player that could come alive in a cup final. So I think maybe those two are the, the ones to watch. And with battles, I think I think before the injury, I, I would have said Anthony and whoever we play at left-back, because that maybe could have been Gomez. And that uh, I wouldn't be so confident over that that um, that battle, whether that's you know Sancho that takes that place and it's still maybe Gomez that plays at left back. That could be one to watch as well. With Fernandez, do you think it's not only his technical ability but also his the way in which he gets in the referee's ear a little bit and kind of does the the niggly stuff that maybe neutrals don't like but i do think it's it's a benefit of his game it's is he's a kind of player who if you're playing against him you you hate him but if you've got him on your team then you can really appreciate those dark arts i i, I don't know how you feel about it it's probably something i'll i'll try and ask our man united fan for, for his take on it as well but is is that something that you think could play a part yeah i'm, I'm definitely not going to say that i i like him the, the way he plays, but he's he's good at what he does. You know, he's like you say, he he's good at you know getting in the referee's heads, and you know he can he can win penalties as well. That kind of stuff, maybe not always an actual penalty, but he he still somehow gets them. Not cheating, but sort of not. It's the fine line between simulation and and not simulation, if you know what I mean. Sort of, he's, yeah, he's I'm good with at you. that kind of thing, where it, it's, it could be a penalty, but he's made it so that it is a penalty. Yeah. No, I'm I with think, you completely, and yeah. I, I, I wouldn't want to accuse him of cheating either, and I can completely understand why any Manchester United fan seeing him do this can really get behind it, because it's kind of, it feels like a bit of a throwback to some of the players who were part of Sir Alex Ferguson's great teams who would, like we say, be prepared to do the horrible bits and really get stuck in. And they've they've kind of lacked someone like him since Ferguson left, I think you could say. That's kind of that covered. It's clear that, like I said, you're confident, Harry, but I can see you're also aware of the threats that Manchester United possess. Before we wrap it up, how do you see it going? Can you give me a score prediction a few days in advance? I'm going to go 3-1 City. I'm, okay. I'm feeling confident about the game. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet because, you know, it's it's a derby. They're going to go for it. But I think we'll have the overall sort of skill and capability to to bring home a 3-1-1. And how many of the three will the Footballer of the Year score? It's tough to say when, because before the lineup comes out, you know, he, he could start or he could not be in the squad altogether. <laughs> um, I think the the way that we've played in the FA Cup this season, Alvarez should definitely start. Okay. Uh, and I'd love to see Mares next to him because those two have have been undroppable in the in the FA Cup this season. So you think there's a chance Haaland could start on the bench? That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. It's probably not. But at the same time, I wouldn't rule it out. Okay. No, I like it. It's interesting, interesting insight. Anyway, Harry, that's your prediction. 3-1 City. We shall see if it rings true come Saturday. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you on Twitter if they want to check your stuff out? Uh, on Twitter, it's just at Harry with an I underscore Burton. Harry with an I. Nice one. Go over there and follow Harry and check out some of his stuff. Good luck, Harry, on Saturday. Although something tells me I don't know if Manchester City need luck in these things because they're always so good. But we shall see how it goes. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for, for having me on. Thanks again to Harry for coming on and speaking so eloquently about his team. We covered a few interesting points there, 
including that goalkeeper dilemma that Pep faces. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that one goes because, like we said, looking back to last season and how it went with, with Stefan, I personally do think that must be playing on Pep's mind. But we shall see. If you've got an opinion on who he should select, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. If you've listened before, you'll know where to go to get in touch. If not, I'll get these reminders out once again. You can find us on Twitter at Pod, or you can email us Pod at gmail.com. And as well as that, Goalkeeper Dilemma, if you've got any thoughts on the final predictions, feel free to send them in to those two addresses. Anyway, enough about Manchester City for now. It's time to shift our focus to Manchester United, who like City, have already lifted one trophy this season and will be pretty desperate to add a second trophy to provide a bit of insight into just how significant a day Saturday is going to be for Eric Ten Hag and his players. Jack Tate from the Manchester United weekly podcast kindly agreed to chat to me earlier this week. Jack, thank you for joining me to give the United viewpoint ahead of this Manchester Derby FA Cup final. We've just been talking off camera or without recording about just how big it feels. So this should be a good conversation, hopefully, just like the one with Harry was on Manchester City. You said in your most recent podcast episode, which we'll come on to talk about your podcast, but you said that the end of the Premier League season has felt strange in a few ways following Manchester United, but you ended up finishing it with four straight victories. How would you say you're feeling heading into the final after that? I felt for the last probably six weeks or so that we're really just trying to hold things together the best we can to get to the end of the season. We've suffered a few big injuries. A couple of those have come back. Just a bit of a loss in form after the kind of highs of the post-World Cup run. Mm-hmm. It's come back a little bit towards the end, but I still feel like we're we're kind of grinding out results, especially in front of goal. We've, we've struggled a little bit, but I, I think the last two weeks or so, things have improved a little. And I I don't think I necessarily, like. I don't think this United team is coming into the FA Cup final in brilliant form necessarily, but I think I do have more trust in this team than I have in past seasons that we will be up for the game and we will be up for the fight. That doesn't mean we're going to win. So you can still beat us 4-0. They're a very good team. But mm. I trust that we will at least turn up and put in a, a half-decent performance. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point because it, it is kind of, as a supporter, the least you can expect from your team in these sort of games. Yeah, 100%. Isn't it? But, but, but at the same time, it's it's not always a guarantee. We've, we've seen it in previous finals, how teams can collapse. So I think it's a good point you make. Does it feel peculiar in a way as a Manchester United fan that you're going into a final knowing that you're pretty big underdogs. I think I had a look at the odds this morning. I think Man City are one to two favourites to win the game with most bookies, which isn't a surprise. But yeah, how does it feel going in as the underdog? I mean, I feel like in a final, it's, it's you know, I'm not maybe maybe being such, an, so, such a big underdog is a little bit strange, but I mean, it's not as if we're... The kind like I don't think we've been good enough, even at our best, to ever be the kind of team that's going to go into a final and be a huge favourite. I think we sort of know, you know, where this team is. It's been a we've improved this season for sure, but we're still a long way off, you know, the level of a team like City. So I don't think it's a it's a huge shock. I mean, it in a normal in a normal sense, if we were playing any team other than City in any other season with these kind of odds, I think you'd look at it and you'd say, well, it's sort of a, a free hit. You've got nothing to lose, you know, because you go in. And, you know, it's obviously a massive trophy on the line, but you're expected to lose. That's obviously very different in this this, this time because not only are we playing our biggest rivals, but there's also the small matter of stopping them matching our treble from 99. So there's... Mm-hmm. There, I mean, we were just talking before that this feels like a massive, massive FA Cup final. And I think for United, there's a, a lot to gain, but there's arguably just as much, if not more, to lose as well. And that's quite a scary prospect. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's interesting as well, talking of Manchester City have only won the FA Cup once under Pep Guardiola. And 
Manchester United have only won the FA Cup once in the last 18 seasons, which feels like, yeah. I, I don't know how it feels to you, but it, that surprised me a little bit, to be honest. I know there's been a, a couple of final defeats in there. Was it to Chelsea in 2018, yeah. was it? But a win on Saturday would move United to 13 FA Cup wins in total, which is only one off Arsenal's 14. So both of those things must be a bit of an added incentive, I suppose, because, yeah, it's been a little while since United went all the way. Oh, 100%. I mean, even if you go back to since 99, I think United have really underperformed in the FA Cup relative to, especially until Ferguson retired. Obviously, since then, we haven't really been at a level we'd expect us to be winning the FA Cup. But, you know, from 2000 to 2013, I think we only made three finals. We lost two of those to Arsenal and, and Chelsea. The only one we won was against Millwall. It, it And it, I don't think it's been the case of, you know, not really taking the competition seriously. I just don't think we've played very well. Um, you know, there's yeah. a couple of semi-final defeats in there. Some some post-Ferguson, some before Ferguson retired. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a competition that United fans, I think, as a in, in general, really wanted to do well in this year and, and every year. But I think especially this year, given the trophy drought that we've been on, it, it felt more important than ever, I think, to go on these long runs in, in the Cups. We've obviously already won the League Cup. It's been great to get to the final of this one. It, it feels more important than ever, I think, for this team to... Under, to get back to winning ways and get back to winning trophies and making that more of a norm at the club. And in terms of this season, it was four home wins to get to the semi-final yeah. stage for United. Then it was a pretty dramatic penalty shootout win over Brighton in the semis. Talk me through how you kind of found that run. And like I said, four home wins, which maybe look straightforward on paper, but I, I don't know how straightforward you felt they were well yeah it's interesting i just in the last sort of hour or so was going back and re-watching some of the highlights from some of those games because on paper it looks really comfortable right i mean four home draws i think we've had we've had something like in the fa cup and the league cup something like 25 home games in a row which is ridiculous um but i mean all all four of those games ended up three one wins looks really comfortable on paper but actually the exception of the reading game We've really ridden our luck quite a lot to get to this point. The first, our third round against Everton, we obviously we went ahead. They pegged us back. We went ahead again. There was a, an equaliser that was ruled out for offside. That Everton scored. It was a tiny, tiny margin of offside. Then we scored a ninety-six minute penalty or something to wrap it up against uh, against uh, Fulham. You know, they we kind of needed a Fulham implosion to get to the semi-finals mm. there. We, that was one of our worst performances of, of the year uh, to up to the point where Mitrovic and William got sent off, especially at home. It was a, a really, really below par performance. Even against West Ham, we went behind. We needed a De Gea save to, from Antonio from one-on-one -on -one to stop us going 2-0 down. It it really has felt throughout that that we kind of lived a bit on, an, on the knife edge. And I mean, I, I guess that from a neutral point of view, you'd probably say they were, you know, brilliant FA Cup ties because I think they were. It was United have been kind of helter-skelter in the FA Cup and I think being a bit more open than we have done in the Premier League, but we have ridden our luck a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the the sort of superstitious part of me says if we've ridden our luck to this point, it's got us to the, got us to the final. Maybe there's maybe there's one more game in there where we can ride our luck and, and you know, pull it out the bag. But I mean, it, it's been games where United have obviously been heavy favourites in all of them, probably with the exception of the semi-final. And even though we've come out on top of those, it's it's not being straightforward performance-wise. And I know you've noted as well the number of late goals that were scored in a few of those games. Yeah. I, I know I know it was often the the goal that killed the games off rather than winning the games with the with the late goals. But is is that still maybe a a good indicator of going all the way until the end? If it if it comes to Saturday and you're behind going into the last 10 minutes and there's there's something there that you need to hold on to. It feels like this Man United team have got the players who are, are able to pull something out of the hat when yeah. they need it, which might not have been the case five years ago, for example. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the numbers offhand, but just off the top of my head, I mean, it's, there's been so many games this year where we scored late goals. Like, like you mentioned, a lot of them actually not necessarily, you know, equalisers or winners, but especially goals to kill off games. 
especially mm-hmm. at home, not just in the FA Cup, there's been a lot of occasions where we've, you know, nursing a one-goal lead and then score, you know, very late on to kind of kill off the game. It is, it is something, I, I think, you know, signings like Martinez obviously won't be playing because of injury, but Casemiro, Varane, even Anthony, I think, have really added some steel and a, and a much better intensity to this United team. And I think we've seen that throughout the season. I think that will definitely be tested and very much needed against Man City. It remains to be seen whether Anthony will, will be fit enough to play. But I think they those players have, have really upped the ante for this United team mentally and how we approach games. You know, there have obviously been some very high-profile times where that hasn't been good enough, like against City away and Liverpool away. But I think in general, and this kind of goes back to what I, the first point I made, I have more faith that this United team will turn up and at least contest in this game in the way you want. And I think that goes back to you know the kind of mental toughness I think has been instilled in this team. And so if you know if it's a draw or one goal down going into the last ten minutes, I, I have faith that you know there's a decent chance we we could nick a goal at the end and and have it go in our favour. You mentioned there the question mark over Anthony's fitness. I, I take it if he's available, you would want him to start. But if there's a if there's a situation where he isn't fit, how, how would you see Man United lining up in that attacking sense? I suppose. Do you think it would be Sancho who would come into the eleven? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because I think if Anthony's not fit, it wouldn't surprise me if Ten Hag went back to a tactic that he was using a lot around sort of March, April time with Bruno Fernandes playing out wide okay, and yeah. potentially put Ericsson, Casemiro and Fred in the three-man midfield. Martial's injury complicates things a little bit as well because you're probably now going to have to play Rashford up front, assuming that we don't play Vegas, which I doubt. And then you're kind of left thin on the ground in terms of options other than that. Because if An- if Anthony's also out injured, you've probably got to play Rashford up front. And then if you play Sancho on the right, it's Garnacho on the left. And that's pretty much it in terms of our options. There's no one really to come off the bench there. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Bruno maybe shifted out wide. I personally wouldn't do that. I, I would, if Anthony isn't fit, I would probably put Sancho on the right, Garnacho on the left and, and Rashford up front. But it, it, it's going to be a risk, I think, no matter what, because... Sancho, I think, is the one out of those three you sort of back his defensive work the best. Garnacho isn't someone that I would sort of trust to be getting back too much. And I don't think that's a huge problem. We probably need him as an outlet on the counter-attack. But I could see Ten Hag going a little bit more risk-averse, putting Bruno Fernandes in there and trusting that he will get his defensive work done, put Sancho on the left and have Garnacho as an option to come off the bench, as he did so effectively against City earlier this season. It's interesting that there are these... Um selection dilemmas going into it because from the City point of view I think the big question is probably over the keeper and whether they stick with Edison or they go with Ortega and I I like that that's the case going in because it it keeps both managers guessing but it also keeps us guessing I suppose doesn't it so we shall see how that goes we've already mentioned at the top of this chat about the treble we need to speak about it a bit more though I think There's, there's so much talk surrounding it I feel like Gary Neville, from watching the coverage over here, he he's someone who is really pushing it and saying how oh, significant yeah. it is, as you would, I suppose, if you were part of that 99 team. What I wanted to ask you is, in terms of Eric Ten Hag, do you think he will use that in any way, But both in terms of the build-up this week, but also on the day? Do, do you think he's the sort of manager who would use that when he's communicating with his players to to get that extra 10, 20% from them? Or, I don't know, do, do you think it won't be in his mind at all? And do, do you think it will be, let's focus on this United team? How do you see that kind of playing out? I mean, I, I expect him publicly, probably not to mention it too much. I'm sure he'll get asked about it a lot in his press conferences over the next few days. But I, I, I expect him to probably take the kind of classic diplomatic manager approach of, you know, it's, we don't need any extra motivation for an FA Cup final and all the rest of it. I, I think it will probably be mentioned here and there, potentially right before the game to kind of get an extra, you know, like you said, 10, 20% out of the players. I mean, you you would like to think that it's not needed. You know, there shouldn't really be any need for extra motivation given the NFA Cup is at, is at stake and against your biggest mm. rivals. But I think, I mean, there's no doubt it adds an, an extra element to the game. And I think, as a manager, why wouldn't you, you know, take any opportunity you can to get that little bit of extra motivation out of your players? I've been, I've been impressed by how quickly Ten Hag has seemed to 
for lack of a better word, just seem to get Man United. And I think he he probably understands the gravity of what's at stake. And I think he's very, very clued up on the history of the club. So I think he'll be fully aware of it and may, may use it in private with the players. But I'd, I'd be surprised if it's if he if he is willing to kind of engage in that conversation too much in public. Do you think the fact as well that the Champions League final is City against Inter Milan, who, without meaning any disrespect, <laughs> the, the, it, it, it feels to me as if this game for City is a bigger challenge than the the Champions yeah. League final. I, I, I just think if, if you separate them, it feels like that. I, whereas if they were going into a game against... I suppose they've beaten the Bayern Munich and a Real Madrid in the lead-up, yeah. but that would still feel like more of a threat to this treble than an Inter would, to me, anyway. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I, th- I think, again, I I, doubt, I don't know how much that will be part of the conversation between Ten Hag and the players or, you know, at Carrington this week, but I think among fans, it's definitely part of it. You know, we were all Madrid fans for a couple of weeks, hoping that they would <laughs> be able to pull one over on City. And, and now you sort of... Like you mentioned, if they were playing a, you know... I don't know, Barcelona at their peak or, you know, Bayern Munich or PSG or Madrid in the final, I think you'd, like, you'd still obviously have this desperation to win, but you'd probably feel like oh, this isn't necessarily our last hope of stopping the yeah. treble. But I think as it is, you know, it, it takes something miraculous, I think, for Inter to to win that Champions League final. It might also take something miraculous for us to win this FA Cup final, but I think you've, you've definitely got to feel like we're sort of the last hope. And what does it mean to you as a, Manchester United supporter the the treble and holding on to it as the only club in this country to have done it. Oh, I mean, it's everything, you know, like there's been a lot of great teams over the years in England, United teams and others. And I think the treble, in English football in, in European, in English teams have been competing in European football for what, 70 years at this point, kind of started by, the, by Matt Busby in the 50s. And to still to this day be the only team to have won the league, the FA Cup and the European Cup or Champions League in the same season, that is it's a unicorn achievement. And it it's something that I think is only getting harder because of how much the fixtures are piling up. And it's one of those things. So I mean Arsenal fans probably feel similarly about the Invincibles. It's I would I'm not going to sit here and say that that treble team is the best team ever in English football. That we can go back and forth on that all day. But to have that sort of one objective measure to say we are the only team to have ever achieved this is massive, and it you know the the pride that the club has in it is even higher because so many of the players that were involved were academy lads that came through from United, you know, kind of ushered in this new era. It felt like really the the sort of peak of that really dominant team, and and from United's point of view, coming out of a you know 30, 40 year period of being in the relative doldrums, you know, didn't have very much success at all in the period between some, uh, Matt Busby leaving and Ferguson coming in. So that it's it's not only a, a, a huge achievement just because of what it is, but I think what it represents about, you know, this club kind of rising up again, becoming this dominant force under Ferguson. So many of the the players and the way that the team play, like embodying the spirit of what we all hold close to us and what we hope that Manchester United lives up to, this culture of attacking football, of entertaining, going back to the values that Matt Busby brought in, you know, and the fact that so many of the players are from the academy, it, it means a huge, huge amount. And any, I mean, any team matching it would be disappointing. But the fact that it's City or Liverpool, one <laughs> of the two, and in this case City, you know, it makes it even worse, the, the thought of them doing it. And it, it adds so much that, uh, at stake in this final. Yeah, it certainly does. We're in for a good one, I think. I will... Come on to ask if you'd um, be willing to to give a prediction in just a moment. <laughs> but but before then, um, this question I I asked the reverse of this question to Harry the Man City fan. But yeah, is there one Manchester City player who really concerns you going into it? I, I suppose with City there there are so many and there there are some obvious ones. But who would you say is the one that worries you the most? So on on our podcast, my co-host is also called Harry. Harry and I, every time we play Man City, we always say the same thing. It's that whenever we've played and played badly against Man City, what we've come under under the caution with, what has unstuck us, isn't necessarily Aguero or Haaland. And, you know, Haaland was, he was obviously brilliant in the 6-3, but at Old Trafford, he was kept very, very quiet. He barely touched mm-hmm. the ball. What we always struggle with is the runs from midfield. 
And that's been the case this season. It's been the case for the last five or six seasons ever since uh, Pep Guardiola came in. And so actually, you know, Haaland is obviously the, the, the obvious answer. But I'm actually not that scared of him. I'm, I'm scared of him, but not sort of an out, <laughs> to an outsized amount. The one that actually really, I think, scares me is Gundogan. He's scored some huge goals against United in the past. His late runs into the box are something that we've always struggled to defend, both against City and, and against other teams as well. And he's the one to me that I think if he plays well, I, I don't see this City team not playing well. Whereas I think Haaland could have a good game. And if we manage to kind of disrupt everything else in the City team, you, you still might have a chance. And so he, for me, is the one that I'm probably the most scared of. But just because it's something that we've really, really struggled with in the past to, to kind of contain those late runs from midfield arriving into the box. Now you go back, with the, again, with the exception of the 6-3, you go back through all of our recent games against Man City, all of the danger has come from players like Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, players with Grealish in the one in, uh, at Old Trafford earlier this season, again, making that late run into the box that came from De Bruyne making a run into the box. It, you know, So that's really, for me, the the one that I'm most... Not, not necessarily the one player that I'm most scared of, but the one that I think we need to have specific plans to, to deal with because we've really struggled with that in the past. And he gets the Roy Keane seal of approval as well, doesn't he? Wasn't it the, <laughs> the little clip on the final day? He told him yeah. he's a special player. Yeah, that, that's interesting. He is a bit of a silent assassin, I suppose, good yeah, man, 100%. isn't he? Even though um, he, he does chip in with plenty of goals and yeah. um, is, is so integral, as you said. I mentioned I, I'd ask you for a prediction. That time has come, Jack. Yeah, how, how are you feeling a few days ahead of the game? Obviously nervous. I, I don't think there's any United fan that... We're all looking forward to it in the sense that it's exciting we're playing in an FA Cup final, but I don't think any United fan is looking forward to the experience of these 90 or 120 minutes or however, however long <laughs> it's going to take. I think my my thing for United is... I think if we can get to half-time level, I'd actually back us in the second half. I, we'd still be underdogs, but I think we've seen in some big games this season... That in the second half, if we are still in the game, we have enough quality. And that's when our counter-attacking ability really starts to show. I mean, that's how we beat City earlier in the season at Old Trafford. I think if we concede early, we could be in, in big trouble. And again, that's you know, that's what happened at the Etihad in, in the 6-3. I think my my probably genuine prediction would be probably something like a 2-1 City win, unfortunately. But I think if we go in level at half-time... I would feel, I'm never going to feel confident in this game, but I would feel relatively confident that we have a very good chance of winning if we can be level at halftime. That's probably no, that, as optimistic as you're going to get from me. <laughs> no, it's, it sounds good because you're you're being, you're clearly being realistic, but equally you've, I can tell, is coming across in what you're saying, that the belief that you do have in these players, it, even if you know just how good Manchester City are. You, yeah, yeah. Clearly, across the season, United have done enough to you to, you know, go into it with some sort of belief that you can pull it off. Yeah, Mar Martinez being injured is, is a is a huge loss. I, I would feel a lot more confident with him in the side, not only because he just adds so much steel to that defence, but also what's really hurt us in the past against Man City is when we can't get out. And they're obviously brilliant at this. You know, we're, I know we're going to go into this game and have probably under 30% of the ball. And that's fine. That, that's what happens against Man City. But he would enable us, even from things like goal kicks or free kicks deep in our own half, just to keep the ball, get the ball into midfield and get us moving forward. And I, I really worry for us not being able to ever give ourselves any amount of respite from City attacks because we don't have that quality in defence now to kind of get us moving forward. So that that is my my really big worry. And I'd be a lot more confident if he was playing. Well, there we have it. We, we've got predictions there from a Manchester City fan and a Man United <laughs> fan. We, we shall see how it goes. Jack, thank you so much for coming on. Before I let you go, we've mentioned the podcast you appear on a couple of times, except I'm not sure we've properly mentioned the name of the podcast. That is the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Where can people find it on social media and where can they find you on social media and Twitter, etc.? Yeah, as you can find the podcast on all good podcasting platforms and on Twitter, it's at UTD Weekly Pod. Uh, myself and Harry Robinson come kind of two two episodes every week. And you can find myself on Twitter at UTD Tate. That's T-A-I-T at the end. Nice one. Sounds good. So yeah, go on over and check those out. I'm sure you'll have 
bits and pieces around the final yourself. Yeah, 100%. Well. Yeah, we'll be re- releasing an episode in the next couple of days. Nice one. So, yeah, that's all, everything covered, I believe. Jack, thanks again, and uh, enjoy yourself on Saturday. Good luck, <laughs> I'll good try luck it. to you if you need luck. <laughs> thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully you enjoyed that segment with Jack. I really enjoyed chatting to him, and I'd like to think we definitely explained just how significant this final is going to be in terms of the treble element to it. I think the fans going into it in particular, it it will be affecting them probably more so than the players. But as Jack said, I think the players, the Manchester United ones, will be aware of it because they're hearing from the Gary Nevilles and the Roy Keynes in the build-up. And it must be hard to ignore that as a player, right? Because they're all on social media hearing it. So we shall see what sort of effect that has on the overall spectacle. You've heard both Harry and Jack's predictions for how it's going to go over the course of this episode. Personally, I think Manchester United will definitely run it close, but Manchester City will ultimately prevail and win their seventh FA Cup trophy. I'm going to go for a 2-0 score prediction. I just think that the fact the title was wrapped up so early and that City had those three games where, okay, Haaland featured in a couple of them and so did a lot of their first-choice players, but their minds will have been set on this final for a long time. And you would like to think that in terms of preparation, they're probably slightly ahead of United in terms of the fact that United still had to wrap up top four. Okay, they did that before the final day, you could argue. But yeah, I just feel like that extra edge in preparation might have an effect. And then you've got to weigh up the two teams. As we've said, City are favourites. We're used to seeing them deliver in these sort of finals. And I just find it hard to see that they don't have too much for United on the day. So I'm saying 2-0. Fingers crossed, the game lives up to the build-up that it's been given. I'd much rather that happen and United win than it be a stinker of a game and I get my prediction right. Let me tell you that. Really, I don't mind who ends up winning it. Don't forget, it's a 3pm kickoff in the UK and you can catch it on BBC One or ITV One, wherever you're watching or whatever channel you choose to watch it on. Make the most of it because... It's the last bit of FA Cup action we're going to get for a couple of months. Will the trophy ribbons be red or blue when that trophy is lifted aloft on the Wembley balcony? It's time to find out.